Let this day be a blessed day, and I pray that uh, God will give you a new portion from above. Today I want to speak about uh, the subject I have started with last week, and I want to continue on that subject. And my title today is Grand Expectations, Grand Expectations. The good thing for all of us who are following Christ, our Lord and Savior, is that we know where we are going. You see, when we look around in our world, we realize that many people, they don't realize what tomorrow is going to be. Of course, they are very much afraid. But the good thing is we, we know where we are going. And let me just read uh, a few scriptures from the Word of God. I start with the book of Revelation 21, verse 23. The Bible reads, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And Psalms 117 verse 1 and 2 says, Praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much for your wonderful word that gives us a view into the future, that opens us a window of what you are going to do in the days and years to come. Lord Jesus, thank you that we are firmly established in your mighty hands. We give you praise and honor, Lord, that today we can be able to study your word. And I pray, Lord, give us understanding from your word. Give us uh, an ability to catch whatever you are saying to us. To you be the glory and the honor. Amen. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 1, the Bible says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Now, what we can see clearly in the scriptures is that we live in a world full of darkness. As the word of God says, it, darkness is covering the earth, and thick darkness, as if there is a, a, a greater dimension to that, is over the people, the nations. That means the mind is darkened, and uh, they will not be able to see what God wants them to see. If we would get stuck with reality gazing uh, at what is happening in our world today, then we could lose all hope. But our 
Our challenge is that we need to look at the whole scripture. Okay, like uh, in, in um, Isaiah chapter 60, you know, one sentence says, you know, just like taking stock of what is happening in our world, that darkness covers the earth and sick darkness covers the peoples, covers the nations. But then just in the next sentence, or in fact, it's the same sentence, God says, but the Lord rises upon you. Praise God. But the Lord rises upon you. So when you go through darkness, don't just settle for darkness, but understand that the Lord rises upon you. And this is wonderful news. You know, this is what we call good news. Because this is why Jesus has come, you know, in this world, so that we are not living in darkness, but that we are living in his wonderful light. And his glory appears over us. You see, this is something that we should never forget. When we are walking through dark valleys in our life, when we are going through hardships, struggles, and difficulties, we should never forget that God actually rises upon us. He lets his light shine. Even his glory is appearing over our lives. Darkness, darkness is not final. Neither is death and calamity for those who are in Christ. And that we should really hold on to. You know, this should be our, our theme and our, our song all the time. You know, that darkness is not final. If you are passing through a stretch, stretch of darkness, you know, make sure that you understand the morning is coming. You see, God gives us this analogy in, in nature. You know, we are having a day and we're enjoying the light of the day and then we go into the night and it's dark. But praise God, there is always another day coming. And we should understand that when we are going through hardships and difficulties in our life, it is never the end. It is just a passing through. It is just something that we need to understand uh, you know, uh, learn to, to deal with and then, and then enter into his wonderful light. So God has revealed his uh, plans in great detail so that we are not like the world without hope. The Bible tells us very clearly, God wants us to be in the know. God wants us to understand what he is up to because he has a plan in which we are supposed to be very much involved. And if we are to be involved in the plan of God, then we must know what the plan of God is all about. Okay? So God wants to encourage us with all these powerful scriptures that talk about his wonderful plans into the future. And of course, God doesn't just do something in the future. He always does something today. You know, that's why the word of God says today when you are hearing the voice of the Lord, do not harden your heart because God wants to do something. God wants to transform our lives. God wants to uh, encourage us, lift us, and, and give us direction. Now, the Bible is very clear that when we walk on his way, then definitely we will get into our destiny because God has prepared a way that is ending in the destiny. And the destiny that God has given to us very clearly is not some better place. 
Even so, there is a better place too. It's not even the city of Jerusalem, you know, in the sense that we understand it from a human perspective, uh, but it's actually God the Father himself. Jesus said, I am the truth. I'm the word, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So the destiny that we have is the Father. And the new Jerusalem is actually a description of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with all of us united together. And that's the amazing thing that we are seeing God showing us time and again because God is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And our destiny is nothing less but our Father. You know, we have all these many wonderful songs about heaven, you know, and uh, some of these songs, they, they really make us feel overwhelmed and people have been crying and shedding tears that they want to go home and fly away, you know. Uh, but the reality is that you can be with God today. You can be united with your Father in heaven today through Jesus Christ. So it's not a question of waiting until you fly away. And of course, usually when the day of our death comes closer, then we don't fly. We don't want to fly. You know, then we are realizing, oh, life is precious. And so when we want to stay. No, actually, Jesus says, I'm the way. Okay? I'm the truth. I'm the life. And I will take you to the Father. And that's where our destiny is. Nothing less. Okay? And of course, where our Father is, it's heavenly. Where our Father is, there's glory. Where our Father is, there are all these amazing things that the Bible describes. But if you cannot find the Father, then all these things are not there also. So that's what we must not forget. It's not the things that we look for, but it's the Father we look for. You know, today in many uh, circles, the gospel is being preached as a prosperity gospel where people want to have breakthroughs, they want to have money, they want to have luxury, they want to have this or the other. And uh, while all these things are nice and good, you know, uh, these are not the answer because we cannot replace God with things. We need to have God. Then the things will be added unto us. You know, Jesus himself says, seek first the kingdom of God Okay, and his righteousness. And then all these things that Jesus had mentioned in the book of Matthew chapter 6, all these things that we may need uh, for our daily life, they will be added unto us. It's not the other way around. We first need to come to Christ. We first need to be taken into our destiny towards walking towards our Father in heaven. Then all these things will be added unto us. That's the way to do it, not the other way around. Now, the Bible is very clear that those who are in Christ are heading for a glorious future. Praise God. Amen? It's a future that has been described in many, many different ways. Okay, and we, we need to picture it. Now, we cannot fully imagine it because the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is beyond imagination. Okay, we cannot fully imagine it. But nevertheless, we should be aware of it and we should read as much as we can. Revelation 15 verse 2 says, And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire, 
And standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name, they held harps given them by God. Praise God. You know, when you arrive at your destiny, you are getting even greater gifts from God, given to them by God. Okay? Now, the harps could be different kind of instruments. Uh, and the Bible says, and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are the deeds, O Lord Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Now, you can see from this description that somehow our mind is left behind. Okay, the Bible says, and I saw what looked like a sea. Okay, now a sea is of water, isn't it? But uh, the way John describes the sea is like it was glass. Okay, mixed with fire. Now, fire and water don't usually mix. Okay, you are fighting fire with water. But there was a, a different dimension here. As we can see, you know, uh, this is what John was able to look at. And, you know, when we are looking into the plans of God, when we are looking into our future, we should never try to understand the things that God lays out for us with our human mind. Because our human mind is conditioned to a three-dimensional world, to the world that we know. But what God is going to, uh, to bring us into, what God has prepared for us, is far beyond what we can imagine. And that's why John uh, constantly struggles to find the right words to express you know, his, his amazement and describes uh, those things, uh, the way that he actually has no words to describe. Okay? So he saw what looked like a sea, but it was of glass, mixed with fire. And then he saw, standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and over his image. You know, all of us, we are in a struggle over the beast that is the evil one, and the evil one is not only around us, but he's also inside of us. You know, the Bible tells us very clearly that we have an old nature. And this old nature wants us to always compromise, wants us always to cut corners here and there. You know, the reason why, we are, uh, why our lives are full of struggle is because God has to sort out the things that are not fitting into the kingdom of God. Okay, in the book of Revelation, we have been reading in chapter 21, verse 23. Nothing impure will ever enter into that city. That means into the presence of God. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And you know, because we are... Human beings with shortcomings and failures, uh, we have been born into a sinful world that we are. We have been sinners before Jesus Christ made us saints. 
You know, that is what we must realize. But now that we have been made saints, God is now sorting out all that is shameful in our life, all that does not fit into his presence, all that is not uh, um, rising up to his standards. Okay? Anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful cannot enter this city, cannot enter the presence of the Father. And that's why we are on earth. Okay, that's why we have struggles. That's why we are going through all kinds of hardship in our world. This is a battle between light and darkness. And we must make a choice every day. You know, whether we do, you know, what God is guiding us to do, or whether we cut corners and try to do things in our own selfish way. And that's why we must uh, be guided by his word, you know, because the word of God gives us the strength to do it, gives us the ability to see clearly. Now, this is the way of sanctification, and it's not a walk in the park, but it's a struggle, okay? Now, there are some people who have been preaching a gospel that is falling short of what the Bible tells us here. You know, I've heard evangelists uh, telling people, you know, come to Jesus and all your problems will come to an end. Actually, that's a lie. In fact, when you come to Jesus, that's when you will be able to see that there is a real struggle in this world because, you know, as long as you are in the darkness, you don't understand the struggle. But when you are coming to the light, then you will be head on with the uh, the temptations and with the, with the darkness of this world. And that is what we have to struggle with. Whether we like it or not, this is required because God is going to remove all of those things that cannot fit into his kingdom, that cannot fit into the city of God where he is present. <clears throat> so co Satan constantly produces new gods, okay, or new diversions to keep us from Christ. You know, if you are looking at uh, the old days, the, the, uh, you know, the, the times before Christ came and even after, you will be amazed to see the literature of those days and how many different gods they were trying to please, they were trying to worship. You know, you can go to the different nations that were, that were ruling uh, and that were on top of, of the world at one time or the other, you will always find there are a lot of different gods. In fact, uh, one uh, philosopher in, in, in uh, the old uh, Greece, in the old Athens, was writing a book that the gods came together and they had a meeting to decide what to do because the, the heavens got overcrowded. There were too many gods. So they were wondering what to do, how to get rid of some of these so-called gods. Of course, that is all total nonsense, but this is what happened, you know. I mean, look at the neighbors of Israel. All of them, they were worshiping Baal, they were worshiping Astera, you know, all of these different gods that the, their neighbors had. And this was common in those days. In fact, there's a lot of literature talking about these things. You know, the old uh, uh, Greeks, they had a lot of this uh, literature, and, and much of it is, is really talking about the different gods. But today, 
Satan is clever. You know, he may not bring you a new God. Even so, in some parts of the world, he still does that. We know that in certain countries of this world, you know, there are so many gods that you can even, you know, that you can even step over them and fall because gods are literally everywhere. But, you know, in our Western world and the influenced world, because even we in, in Zambia, we get so much influenced by Western culture, especially since we have, uh, you know, internet, uh, as we have uh, social media, uh, we get so much influenced by the thoughts and the ideas of the world around us, by, you know, the world that is very much infiltrated through Hollywood with the value system that is there. That's why, you know, our system even in Zambia has changed a lot. Just the other day I had a discussion with somebody and I said, you know, when I came to Zambia uh, in 1982, uh, one thing that amazed me was the respect that young people had for the elders. Whether it was always, uh, you know, uh, resonating in their hearts, the way they showed it, I don't know. But it was a reality, you know, that people were really respecting elders. I mean, it would never happen that an old man would come in or an old woman would come into a bus and somebody who is younger would not stand up and, and make room for that per person. Okay, the kind of respect to approach elderly people was amazing. But today, this has largely disappeared. That's a reality, okay? I mean, if I look at the world today, and the world uh, almost 40 years ago, it's a, it's a completely different story. And you know why? It's because, you know, Satan has been very clever to give us different diversions, different gadgets, different ways, different gods that we are now putting above everything else. And we must be aware of that. We must not be diverted from the true ways of God. Because there's only one God we should worship and not false gods. Now, Satan may do whatever he wants, but the choice is up to you and me. Okay, as long as we don't know Jesus, we may be forced to, to continue sinning, but that's why Jesus came, so that he redeems us from that force of darkness. He redeems us from that, that uh, uh, compulsion to sin. So Jesus has set us free to walk with him and live in the freedom of the sons of God. But that does not mean that we don't have a choice. And we need to make the right choice every single day to walk with Christ and to order our life according to his perfect word. So understand that God has called us into a pride and wonderful future. You know, there are grand expectations that we should all have. And we who are children of God, we must not be unaware we must not be in the dark of where we are going. We must be clear that we have a destiny. If you go on a journey and you get a ticket, okay, maybe you're flying or even going on a bus, you know, and, uh, you know, many of these uh, buses now uh, going to cities in Livingston or in the north or Dar es Salaam, 
you have to get a ticket a day before. And when you go and pay your tickets, you can't just say, I want the tickets. You said, okay, I can sell you a ticket, but where to? Isn't it? If you go to an airline, you say, I want a ticket. Yeah, okay, can I get a ticket? But you must know where to, okay? If you don't know your destiny, you can't get a ticket, okay? Because they have got a choice for you to, to choose from. And so you must know where you're planning uh, to uh, Livingston. You must tell them, I want to go to Livingston. And that place where you are going is written on your tickets. So I want to ask you today, what is written on your tickets? Are you aware of a ticket? Have you got a ticket? Okay. As Christians, we must have a ticket, and we must know where we are going. Okay. We must know what Jesus is saying. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the destiny that we have is our Father in heaven, and wherever our Father in heaven is, that's where we go. Okay. When heaven, you know, is 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 opened up, when when New Jerusalem is coming down to where people are, you know, it's amazing. This is where our destiny is all about. And we must know as much as we can about our destiny. Now, there will be a lot of things that you will not know about the place before you get there, for sure, isn't it? If you go and get a ticket maybe to another country in the world where you've never been before, you may have read about things, you may have heard about things, but when you get there, it will always be different. And that's true even with our destiny. But nevertheless, we must know where we are going. We must not be derailed. We must not be diverted by all the stuff that Satan is trying to do in order to get us into a different direction. Now, the Bible tells us that the nations will come and, and to me, this is an amazing thing, you know, when, when we read about uh, these powerful words that he gives to us. You know, the glory, of the, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into the city. And one may wonder, what is this glory all about? What is this, uh, this honor all about? But you must understand that by that time when this happens, already all impurity is removed. All the things that cannot fit into the kingdom of God, everything that is incompatible with the glory of God is already removed. Okay, and that's why we are in the world, because that's where these things are happening. Now, God has given a rich deposit to every nation. And the Bible tells us that the nations are going to return to him. Okay, we know that some will be sorted out. You know, the Bible uh, shows us that there will be goats and there will be sheep, okay, which is just to uh, illustrate that there will be people who are walking in the ways of God and there are people who will reject the ways of God. I read this scripture a few weeks ago. And, and you know, uh, but when we see this scripture, all this has been done. This has been sorted out. Everyone who is going to be there is going to fit, is going to be compatible with the very presence of our God. Now, what we must know is that God richly 
blessed every nation, every individual. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you belong to, which tribe or which family or which nation. You know, we are all very richly blessed, individually and in our community. Now, every nation is earmarked for a special duty in God's kingdom. Okay, let me explain that. If you read the story of Israel, you find that there was one tribe, the Levites, and they were singled out to be the priests in the service of God. So the people of Israel were going about their business, but that tribe, that uh, tribe of the Levites, were not doing the normal business of agriculture or whatever else people would be doing. They were just dedicated to the service of God in the house of the Lord. Okay? So that was their distinction, their destiny that was created by God for them to fulfill. And you see it very clearly, that's what they did. On the other hand, the Bible tells us that salvation will come from the Jews. So it was the tribe of Judah that was singled out to bring forth the Savior. Okay, we, we have seen that uh, God spoke about that many, many times, and there was first uh, King David, who was a forerunner of uh, Christ himself. And, and, and again, you know, we see that each of the tribes had a very clear job description. Now, that is not just true with the Israelites, but it's true also for every nation in the world. Now, you and I, we may not fully understand what God's intention is with every nation, but you know, God is greater than we, and that's why you know, he will not fail to plan things and plan them very well. So God will not invest into things that will not bring him a return. Okay, that's a very important statement that I'm making here, and I want you to see this statement being uh, clearly written in the book of Isaiah. You know, Isaiah chapter 55 tells us very clearly that whatever God does, it will have to come back to him again. Okay? Isaiah 55. The Bible says, As the heavens are higher, that's verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth, for it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. Hey, this is a powerful word. Okay, I know you have heard this word probably more than once, but I want to just say a few things about it. No blessing that God has installed upon an individual or upon a nation will be ending up 
in hellfire. Okay? So whatever God has given, it will have to come back to him, not go to the devil. Now you may wonder how does this work? You know, God has given gifts to every human being. And yet there are many human beings who decide not to walk with God. There are people who have decided to rather be in the service of the evil one, consciously or unconsciously. And the Bible tells us that whatever God has given to them, they have to surrender it. It cannot go into the place where the devil and his angels are going to reside for eternity. Okay? Because that place is devoid of all the blessings of God. Because the devil doesn't want that. Okay? And so we must understand that every nation is singled out for a special purpose in the kingdom of God. And for those nations who think they don't need God, and of course I want to tell you very clearly that every time there will be a remnant of every nation that will return to God. Okay? Because whatever God has set to do, it will work out. Okay? There may be others who will not come back, but the nation will be able to return. And that's why we read these very powerful scriptures where it says, Praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples. Because eventually, every nation, every tribe, every tongue will be represented in the presence of God Almighty. And those who have decided to go the other direction, they will go without any of the blessings of God. Because if you reject God, you reject him altogether. Okay? All things are created by the word of God. That means God has given his word. And his will will be accomplished according to his desire. As we have read from Isaiah 55. Once the word has achieved God's purpose, it will return to him in full. Okay? The words of God that he has sent, they will come back to him having accomplished everything that God sent the word for and they will have been able to accomplish everything in full. You know, scripture says that my word will not come back to me empty. No, it will come back full. Amen? Ah, that's powerful. So once the word that has been sent is achieving the design of God, it will be able to report back to God, it is done. Okay? That's true in your life. That's true in our nation. That's true in our world. That's how God works. He uses the symbol or the, the, the example of, of, of rain. You know, rain comes in order to do something on the earth. It prepares the ground. It gives us moisture. It gives us the, the necessary uh, uh, water that we require to live. And when it has done what it's supposed to do, it will just go back in the cycle, uh, you know, being drawn up into the clouds, and eventually it will come back again. But it will have done the job for which it was sent. That's exactly what God does. God sends his word in order to accomplish and achieve what he has decided to do. So silently... God is working out his plans in perfection. Throughout the history of mankind, 
God has worked out his perfect will, okay, in every nation, even in nations which look to be ungodly, which look to be very far away from uh, the living God. That's why God sent prophets. You know, when you go through the Old Testament, you will see so many prophets, big and small, you know, uh, not in terms of stature, but in terms of how much they have written. And uh, they're they are telling us about the coming of the Savior, the coming of the Messiah, the Savior who is going to wipe away our sins, the, the, the Lamb of God that carries away our sins, and uh, we, it will no longer trouble us anymore. All these are prophecies that God has given to us through his word. But amazingly, God was speaking not just to the people of Israel, he was speaking to other nations too. In fact, if you study, uh, you know, the, the nations of the world and even the different type of religions that are there, you will be amazed that there are always things that God himself has inspired because God is speaking to everyone, you know, to everyone, no matter what. Okay? Now we know, I said this earlier on, the Greeks were known for their many different gods. Okay? Just go into literature, you will find out there was so much confusion. You know, they had a god for everything. Uh, god of harvest, god of fruitfulness, god of everything. Okay? And yet... In between, we see that even in a nation like that, God had a testimony, and uh, amazingly, this testimony came to pass. I'm sure you all have heard of Plato. You know, Plato wrote a book, The Republic, and uh, of course, there are a lot of things there which may not interest you and which may not be interesting either. But then he wrote something in his second book, uh, and... Uh, there was, a, there was a conversation going on between Socrates and Glaucon in the second book of Plato's Republic. And uh, during that time, you know, they were talking about good and evil, righteousness and unrighteousness. Let me just read a passage from here. Drawing a distinction between righteousness and unrighteousness, Glaucon, one of the characters in that book, postulates that instead of being who instead of beings who are both righteous and unrighteous as most of us are most of the time there would arise one unrighteous man who is entirely unrighteous and one righteous man who is entirely righteous let this one righteous man in his nobleness and simplicity one who desires, in the words of Achelous, to be a good man, not merely to give the impression of being a good man, now being accused of being, in fact, the worst of men. Okay? Now, just, just listen to this carefully, because what this man describes is actually the nature and the life of Christ. Okay? Christ came a good man, not merely giving an impression of being a good man, but because he was good through and through but he was accused of being the worst man let him moreover remain steadfast to the hour of death seeming to be unrighteous and yet being righteous 
What will be the outcome of this? The answer for whose gruesomeness Glaucon apologizes in advance to Socrates. Now, listen to this. I mean, what, what Glaucon sees coming to be with uh, the life of the righteous man is so terrible that even as he talks about it, he is apologizing to the one he's talking to, uh, Socrates. And he says, nothing other than the following. He shall be scorched, tortured, bound, his eyes burnt, and at last, after suffering every evil, shall be crucified. Now, this was not a prophet that is uh, talked about in the Bible. This was Plato. And of course, Plato was one of the philosophers of Egypt, I mean, of, of Greek rather, Greece rather. And, and he was he's a well-known uh, uh, writer. And he was able to say something like this. In fact, there are quite a number of other things that are quite noteworthy. You know, in the midst of a place where, you know, there was an inflation of gods, where every other time another god would be invented. But there was a man who was able to see things, who had inspiration from above. And now Plato lived about 350 years. He was born 428 years before Christ. So he didn't know Christ. He didn't know most probably the Old Testament either. But he was able to hear from God. And you know, that's what tells us that God is speaking to every nation. God has a testimony to every human being. The Bible tells us that he speaks to every human being two times or three times at least. So that no one can have an excuse. So God is busy preparing the nations. Busy working things out. God is showing us Christ the Son. Let me just read Psalms chapter 2 and verse 1 and onwards. The Bible says, Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? Okay? This is the ugly side of the nations. Okay, and we see it in the news, all the wars, all the troubles, all the murders, all the, the, the unrighteousness that is happening. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against the anointed one. And that is a reality even today. Let us break their chains, they say. And throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. You know, it's like a, it's like a mosquito is trying to stop your car. Okay? Just knocking there and says, hey, you, I, I, I want to bring you down. Okay? Yes, maybe a mosquito can give you malaria, but it cannot stop your car. Okay? So... The Bible says, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my king in, on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. 
Praise God. You know, here God the Father and God the Son speak to each other. And while the nations rage, while they have got their own ideas, while they are trying to, to, to get off uh, from the ways of God, God says, no, it's, it's going the other way around. Actually, I've installed my, my purpose. I've actually done what I have to do in this world. And praise God. You know, God has installed his son he has become a father, and, and, and the father says, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter and you will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Okay, so there is a, a call for wisdom, but there is also a warning. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry with you and be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Brothers and sisters, this is a word written hundreds of years before Jesus came. And the Bible tells us that we should embrace the son. We should kiss the son. He who has been sent as the son of the living God by his father into this world to bring us salvation, he is the one who is our place of refuge. So let us understand that we are living in a life of transition. Okay, we are not always going to be here. Of course, we all know that. You know, we have been given a certain time that we can live, a number of years that we can uh, be having grace to live on this world. But in this time, God is working out things in each and every single one of us. When Jesus came, he came to minister to Israel, but he also ministered to others. For instance, the centurion. And he was even amazed about his face. Or the Canaanite woman who was trying to, you know, uh, uh, push the Lord Jesus to give him something. And he says, I'm, I'm not sent to you. I'm sent to the people of Israel. But she was so insistent in her face that, she, that Jesus remarked about that amazing face that she had. Just like with the centurion. And don't forget, after resurrection... Jesus sent his disciples to all nations so that they would make disciples from every nation. And let me tell you, every seed that is falling on the ground will do its work. It may fall silently into the earth. You know, every seed that is taken into the ground will be working its, its duty in silence. It will sprout, and eventually it will grow up. And that's exactly what God is doing. He has sent us to sow a seed. He is sending his word, and he has been doing that for hundreds and thousands of years since the very beginning of mankind. Since the time man fell into sin, God has never stopped to speak his word, to sow a seed. And while there are people who may just... Uh, determined not to follow the words of the Lord, not to follow the way of salvation. Nevertheless, God will have 
a remnant from every nation. He will reclaim everything that he has given and it will come back to him again, as we have seen earlier on. In Psalm 126, verse 5, the Bible says we are weeping, we are, we are going out weeping as we are sowing the seeds. But we come back with songs of joy as we are bringing in the harvest. And that's exactly what is happening. You know, we are in this world and there may be tears. Okay, these tears are still a reality. We are still going through darkness. But let me tell you, there will be amazement and there will be joy when we finally make our transition into the presence of God. God will wipe away every tear. So don't expect every tear to be wiped away now because we are still in these worlds. Okay, God will still give you comfort. He will still give you help. He will even wipe away some tears, but it will not be the end. There will other tears be, be on the way. But eventually, you know, when we make our transition, it will be a time of amazement about all the things that we are going to see in the presence of God. Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 6 says, No one is like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. Who should not revere you, O king of the nations? This is your due. Among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is no one like you. They are all senseless and foolish. They are taught by worthless wooden idols. Hammered silver is brought from Tashish and gold from Upas. What the craftsmen and the goldsmiths have made is then dressed in blue and purple, all made by, skillful, by skilled workers. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal king. When he is angry, the earth trembles, when the and the nations cannot endure his wrath. Tell them, these gods who did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. But praise God, we are not following gods with a small g. We have a Lord and a King of all the earth. We have the creator of heaven and earth. And he loves us and he calls us into his very own presence. Okay, the Bible tells us that city that he has prepared for us, that destiny that is on our ticket, does not need a sun or a moon to shine, for the glory of God is there. The glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb of God is its lamp. So in other words, there's the Father, there's the Son, there's the Spirit. And that's why this place is illuminated. That's why this place is shining. And that is the place where God has called us to. So we must have that grand expectation. Not that we think, oh, life is tough. Today I have this problem. Tomorrow I run into another problem. Yes, it may be true because God is still not finished with you. You know, the Bible tells us that when Solomon built the temple, he sent a lot of craftsmen into the quarry in order to prepare the stones. And when the stones and the rocks were prepared, they were prepared exactly to size and they were brought to the same temple site and that's where they were put together without noise, without hammer. 
Okay? And that's exactly what God is doing in this world. He's busy working in, in you and me, making us exactly right for our future destiny. So, brothers and sisters, even if you go through darkness, even if you need to uh, see challenges in your roadside, you know, God wants you to exercise your faith. God wants you to learn and grow from one level of maturity to a higher level of maturity. And the Bible tells us that we should all come to the full stature of Christ. That's our destiny. Okay? And when we finally get closer and closer into that shape, you know, we will be able to see more and more the reality of God, the transition that we are undergoing and the glory that we are going to see happening. So wonderful will be our road, even so, while we are here, intercepted by all kinds of difficulties. But we are having a wonderful welcome in God's wonderful presence. And remember that with great joy, will enter into our eternal home. This is a grand expectation. And so, I want to encourage you, okay? I'm not saying you must think about dying. Actually, you must think about living, okay? Because death, for us, is not the end. It's a beginning, a new beginning, okay? In fact, the Bible tells us that we should die a little every day, okay? Our old nature should be done away with every day. And when finally even this mortal body is done away with, then we can really be able to rejoice because then we are finally ready for the very glorious welcome in the courts of the living God. So brothers and sisters, there are grand expectations that all of us should have. You know, if you don't have them, develop them. Not by thinking deeply, but by reading the word of God by understanding what is God saying about my future. And you know, God has got a lot of things to say about our future. He doesn't tell us everything, but he tells us a lot. And so, if we just hold on, get hold of the things that he tells us that we can be able to understand, you know, and then leave it open for whatever we may not yet be told what was not revealed to us up to now, it's not our problem. It will come at its own time. You see, when God calls us into his presence, we are not coming to the end. Actually, we are coming to the beginning. Okay? Most of the people think, you know, that is now when we finally sit down and we rest and, and that's it. No, 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 that's not it. That's the beginning. <clears throat> What we are going through in this world is just a prelude. It's just a preparation. It's just a getting ready for the day and finally our real occupation starts. Okay? On Friday, my grandson went the first day to school and he was very excited, very excited. Of course, he was looking forward for that day for quite a while. 
But you can be sure that sometimes that excitement will not be there. Okay, it's always good when we are saying, ah, a new thing begins, you know, but actually school is shaping time, it's preparation time, it's heart time, it's testing time, okay? We all know that, we have been there, isn't it? So you can get excited because, you know, you have been in kindergarten and now you, you, you want to get, leave this world of children behind and you, you think, now I'm grown up, I'm going to school, not realizing what school is going to bring. Okay, so this is what this world is all about. It's a time of being in school, a time of being tested, a time of being shaped, a time of being transformed. So that finally when our day comes to arrive in the, in the courts of God, we'll be able to rejoice fully prepared, fully transformed, without any blemish, without every, any spot or wrinkles in our life, ready to live in, in the presence and the glory of the living God. Now, these are grand expectations, okay? In the world, you may have some expectations, but, you know, just like I said about school, you know, like my grandson, he has grand expectations about school, but some of these expectations, they will be, they will be, will be a shock after some time. Okay, but when we get into the presence of God, it will be all a different story altogether. So may God bless each and every one of us as he is busy working in us. Okay, as he is removing all the shameful things, all the deceitful things, all the things that are not fit to appear in his presence. And this is the struggle in which we live in. This is the school through which we go. This is our, these are the examinations and the tests that we are passing through. So that when we are coming out of it, we'll be fully prepared and ready to enter into this wonderful place that God has prepared for all of us. God bless you. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that is so rich, that gives us a clear direction, that talks very clearly about our destiny and all the things that need to happen on the way towards that destiny. Lord, you have not left us in the dark. You have revealed these things to us. We may not always enjoy these things that we are experiencing on that road, but Lord, we know you mean well. You have a good plan, and you have given us a destiny on our tickets, that we are welcome in the presence of the Most High God, our Father in heaven. And so, Lord, we pray that you help us to be focused and not be diverted by all kind of stuff that may take away our, our attention. But, Lord, help us that we live our life to your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.